0: Painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents ArtBeat. ArtBeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for ArtBeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.
1: Today on ArtBeat, we enter a fantasy realm of magic, swords, and dragons with Minnesota author James Petrillo. Patrillo's Petrillo's most recent novel takes us to the world of Ashir, where a young prince named Frost battles dragons in order to free his world from their tyrannical reign. Frost is joined in his journey by a colorful cast of characters that any fantasy enthusiast is sure to fall in love with. But let's hear about it from the author himself. I'm Bill Stoneberg with Minnesota author James Petrillo on Artbeat. I'm here with James Petrillo. He's a Minnesota author. And uh, he's got a new book out uh, called Ashir, and it's a fantasy novel. Uh, Welcome to the show today, James. Thanks for being on the show with us.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, Ashir is a fantasy novel. It's set in kind of an elaborate world, overrun by dragons. But uh, without giving anything away, can you give us kind of a brief synopsis of what the book is about? Sure.
0: Yeah, it's an epic fantasy, which means that... uh, Takes place in, like you said, a different a different world. Mm-hmm. It's not like, uh, it's not like merry old England or something like that. It's it's a completely different world, uh, based on the idea that Tolkien used to make. You know, the Middle Earth, which is like something completely different. And uh, my world has been overrun by dragons for a thousand years. And I like to walk the line between uh, science fiction and fantasy. So one might say that this is a uh, science fiction book masquerading as a a fantasy adventure because I like magic and dragons and fantasy but I am also very intrigued by science fiction uh... so in my world another planet approaches the world of Ashir once every year and that's where the dragons come from to pretty much take everything from the humans who are like now the dwindling population on the planet of Ashir and uh, the book, uh, as opposed to a lot of fantasy that's being written nowadays, uh, is an adventure series uh, that takes place in the quote-unquote golden age of heroes. These characters that you get to know um, are going to be the heroes in generations to come. And I do have in my head, you know, all of the generations out there of characters that uh, evolve, but a lot of people now like to write fantasy and and it's all, you know, everything's gone uh, by the wayside, magic is gone and stuff like that and they talk about that stuff as if it was in the past and, you know, I find those things to be fun so Mm -hmm. I wrote this story first which is uh, where all the characters, you know, gain their reputations, their legendary status, uh, find these ultimate uh, weapons that are lost in time in the future and things like that and then basically go on a quest to uh, rid the world of the tyranny that they perceive however it becomes more complex because the other thing that's been lost the only thing I would say that's really been lost time other than lives prior to this book is the history of the world so they don't really know uh, their own um, stories Okay. Uh, the story of the human race, the story of the different races uh, on the planet and why the dragons do what they do and they start to figure things out as the plot goes on and question, you know, what are we doing? Uh, why are we Why are we on this quest? Uh, you know, and, you know, things get divided uh, between people's uh, opinions because I don't also, I don't believe uh, in one of the, old tropes from fantasy, which is, you know, certain things are evil all the time. Mm -hmm. Certain things are good all the time. I don't believe, really, in the good and evil uh, thing in fantasy because I think that that's uh, kind of a scapegoat that people take. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to fight this because it's evil. And uh, there's there's, there's personal reasons behind everything that goes on and uh, the character motivations shift and change based on their perception of the world and their ideas for the future of it
1: wow that okay there's a lot to unpack there (laughs) Um, i I like that you said the uh sci-fi thing you know because uh well we've known each other for quite some time and i you know i knew you were into sci-fi um and when i started reading this you know the whole idea of a of another planet that comes close and then dragons coming from it i was like Ooh, this is like, yeah, I, I caught that, you know, the little sci-fi in there. That's really cool. And then that's another thing I was going to bring up was, will there be more books? Is there more to the story, you know? Um, so some of these characters that you've created, we're going to get to see them develop even more and become heroes in their own right? or?
0: Yeah, well, it, it really depends on uh, who screams louder in my head, because okay. I, I do know all the stories in my head, um, but... It's whatever calls to me at the time. Um, I have started writing the next uh, piece of this story in book format. I have all sorts of short stories uh, for the different moments in lives and different generations in the future, and uh, I know where the story goes, mm-hmm. but I don't know uh, who gets to speak first, if you will, because uh, you know it's it, it's hard to decide. And I think that uh, my readers have actually influenced that as well, because I, I wrote it with the, uh, the character Frost, in my mind, was the main character, if you will, mm-hmm. of the book. Because you start out with him, and uh, you, you follow mostly his journey, but there are chapters where you follow individuals in their own uh, journeys, and also the uh, other side of the opinions. Uh, you follow them. Uh, and the dragons as well because the dragons in my world are not just dumb animals, they, they have their own civilization and they are right. intelligent, but some of my readers have said, you know, I loved your main character, she was awesome and then I had to think about it for a second oh. and there's a character, her, her name is Nightshade mm-hmm. and uh, she is uh, she has changed continually, but she's, she's of a different race and she is immortal in her own right, but one of the things about her is in order to not go crazy over the, the span of eons, uh, her race forgets intentionally the past oh, wow. um, so that uh, their, their lifetimes go kind of in mirrors with the lifetimes of the people that they travel with. So she has a journey that she goes on as well with it. And some people have viewed her as the main character, and and I've, I've realized that that is possible. It's almost like a baseball team, you know. You've got you could have a star pitcher or something, and people say, you know, they're the main quote unquote character of this particular team. But but it's a whole group effort, you know. And mm-hmm. that that's one of the cool things about fantasy is you get this group going, and then people identify personally with different members of the of the cast, if you will, and and they you know, there is no, this person has to be the leader, this person has to be the main character. I wrote it with one thing in mind, but every reader is, is different. Mm-hmm. So that definitely changes where I sh- I should go, because if people really like certain things, you know, they're going to want to hear about that person more so. Right. Um, and then I add more things in to, t- to uh, suggest that, that there's more, uh, more out there for people the characters to learn and more out there for them to adventure, of course.
1: Wow! <laughs> Again, a lot to unpack. I love it. Um, yeah. So, so like with the character Nightshade, you know, like you had mentioned that her people kind of intentionally forget, you know. And you had mentioned earlier that, you know, that the that none of the characters really have a have a real good grasp on their history, you know, and they're learning kind of as we learn. Um, was that kind of intentional for you know to have the characters kind of? Uh, exploring and learning about their own history as we learn about it, or is that something that just kind of evolved?
0: Oh, no, it's definitely intentional because uh, in storytelling, I know, you know, everything from the world, uh, but Mm -hmm. I need to put myself in the position of the reader and say, you know, how am I going to get all this information across? And being published uh, through... This is the first book I've had published through uh, Shipwrecked Books Publishing Mm -hmm. and having an editor who you know, said basically, you know, you've got too much exposition in, in this because um, the more that you just tell the reader, uh, the less interesting the book is. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it went through six rewrites before it was uh, printed because one could say I learned how to write with this book. I've always been a good st- storyteller, I mm-hmm. think, but um, I've learned how to write a novel in, in this sense because, We experienced through the characters because we don't know it, and they didn't know it either, but it was a good vehicle to bring the reader into this world, and this first book is attempting to teach uh, everything there is that we can know so far, uh, at least in this story, about Mm -hmm. the world, because when you first pick up the book, you don't know anything about it here. Right. Um, And it's very complex, and how do you build an entire world in one book, plus get people to know some characters and uh, the mechanisms that those characters work on without, you know, building a 300-page essay. You, you, you tell it in a story format. So definitely intentional with the uh, learning of things with the characters. And then, of course, you learn things and create opinions. And I, I kind of put some of today's world involved in that as well, because I think there should also be social lessons in any story, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that we learn as they learn is that things that they thought were true are not true because they were told from a certain perspective, Uh. and then history evolves from that perspective, but it wasn't truth, so, you know, and then in some cases people have to decide what their truth is because something is a fact doesn 't necessarily make anything based on that true you know a fact is a fact, and mm-hmm. it 's like how you go from there is based on your own experience and your own opinion and your own uh belief
1: Wow <laughs> cool so like and I was curious about that too, you know, like you said, there are things that mirror our world and stuff uh you know like the the putrid sea, the putrid sea is that kind of a reflection of our world and how we 've kind of you know, the uh, pollution in the oceans and things like that? I mean, is that, you know, part of that mirroring? or?
0: Let me just say there are too many things in this world to be a coincidence. Okay. Uh, and the characters find things to um, explain that there was things that happened long before they existed, mm-hmm. uh, before even... The Immortals existed, because that's another race that's involved. they mm-hmm. just called the Immortals, and we see the demise of the last one in the very first chapter. Right. And things came about to create all of the things that exist, uh, and they find different uh, explanations for that as they go. And there are commonly held beliefs about why things are the way they are that people realize are necessarily true or based in fact, they're just based in speculation. Mm -hmm. All they have to go on is that all this exists, and how do we deal with it, and should we discover the past in order to uh, more accurately deal with the possibilities of the future? And it makes it sound like it's a a very deep book, if you will, but Mm -hmm. I, I personally don't think it's that way i think it's fun i wrote it to be a fun adventure right. and i kept it more uh, uh young adult to adult uh right. as far as the content goes i mean there is fantasy violence involved at some points uh i think that's one of the main tropes of of, uh, of fantasy is that you get, you get these epic battles you know with dragons and stuff and and i put my own spin on those like uh the one big catch of my dragons other than having their own civilization and motivations is that the reason they can breathe fire is because the inside of them is like a furnace so if you kill a dragon they explode like a huge bomb Mm -hmm. and they could take an entire city out if they are killed so no one dares kill a dragon because it would mean your own demise.
1: Right. <laughs> and you, you know, I like that you mentioned that you wrote it as a, a fun adventure story. You know. Um, yeah. Because that—that's kind of what I got from it too. It's—it's it's a lot of fun, um, and I also like that you—you you said that uh, uh, that any kind of good storytelling is going to have social lessons. You know. Yeah. So uh, you know that packed in with the fun stuff, it just. It doesn't sound preachy. It just it's fun to read. You know, that's really yeah. cool. Um, I do. I'm. I am curious about the publishing of it. You know, like uh, uh, a lot of people self publish these days. Um, why did you decide to go through a more traditional route and get a publisher and uh, go
0: that route? Um, well, I have self published in the past. Okay. And that. I found is more difficult. And I know, I know there's authors out there like uh, the, the great Stephen King who, who his advice is, you know, just self-publish. You know, there's no use in getting a publisher anymore. And I tried that. And I, I don't find that to be true because then it's all on you. I mean, everything you do, mm-hmm. all of your editing, all of your marketing, uh, you know, all the selling, it's up to you. All you end up doing is putting up a product, uh, you know, on a website and then it sits there, you know. It's right. like okay, people buy my stuff, uh, sort of a thing, almost like you know, digital flea market. But a publisher comes with more things like editing and advice, uh, you know, about how to write. And this particular publisher, Shipwreck uh, Book Publishing, is uh, on a mission. He's he's from he's a local publisher actually uh, here in Minnesota, cool. and he does independent book publishing uh the way he puts it is you know there's independent films and there's independent music labels uh he wanted to start an independent book publishing you nice. know uh to try and go up against the the big publishing houses but at the same time he's a real publisher so you've got the whole process involved which is why there's so many uh rewrites and uh you know different questions cuz then you get uh, professional set of eyes on your work mm-hmm. where before you've got you know either your friends or your family or right. just yourself reading your own materials over and over again and you, you get stuck looking at your stuff and going I think it's great and then you know it's it's not really you just convinced yourself it was. Like, you get another set <laughs> of eyes on there you know, sending you back uh, versions of your book with red lines through half of it, you're know, uh-huh. like, whoa, okay. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and then you start reanalyzing the way you write, how you write, what you're trying to say with your story, and it evolves uh, in that process. So if you want to be a, a real writer, you really, you really have to go the route of, uh, you know, outside help, mm-hmm. whether that's publishing or some kind of group. So groups tend to be a little fuzzy, whereas publishing is more uh, direct. It's saying, you know, if you, want, if you want your literature to be readable and enjoyable, uh, or, or, you know, if it's a different kind of book, informative, mm-hmm. um, you know, they help you do that. And it is difficult to get published. I mean, you, you have to send out letters to lots of publishers. It's mm-hmm. like applying for a job. Right. Um, so you have to have a good product to begin with, just in order uh, to be, uh, you know, called back, if you will. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not going to take everything. I and mean, he he gets thousands of submissions a year.
1: So, and it's it's tough to wear all those hats. You know, if you were to self-publish, you know, it sounds like uh, going through a publisher, it's allowed you to focus on the writing itself. You know, with that guidance and all of that help. You know, and the. The help with the marketing and things like that, you know. I mean, I, I totally agree. That second pair of eyes, man, that can make or break something. You know, no matter what you're creating, you know. That's yeah, a, I
0: like that. And That's I awesome. actually had a, a third, a third pair of eyes on this book because my publisher. This is the first time my publisher has done fantasy. Okay. Uh, so he brought in uh, another one of his writers as an editor uh, with him uh nick osmond who's also a president in, in the uh, acknowledgement mm-hmm. uh who is uh you know well, he's he's one of my people if you will you know the, the fantasy people you know cool. he's, he's gone through all the fantasy books and he knows you know he knows the genre uh but he also likes science fiction as well so we had a fun time and uh it, it was almost like going on an adventure with him because we have we'd have meetings and we'd talk about different moments in the book and stuff. And, and you know, we'd talk about ideas about how to change it. Uh, so it, the process itself uh, ended up being a fun adventure as well, which I think gets reflected in the book because, you know, we we kept that in the fore of everything. Like, this is going to be fun and adventure? Yeah. because right now it's, it's easier to write things that are dark and depressing or horrific because, well, the, the world can get scary right, you know, mm-hmm. right, especially right now and the world needs more fun stories you know I mean there's, right. a, there's things tucked in there but there's no like you said there's no preachiness that I don't come to a conclusion and says so be good for goodness sake or anything right. like that That you know it's just left open uh, as you could you could interpret it with any way you want but it's going to be fun when you read it
1: and then your your first novel The Darkwood was a horror thriller and in the, yeah. in, in the About the Authors section, it says that your true heart lies within the, fa- the fantasy realm of magic, swords, and dragons. And that you've written yeah. fantasy most of your life. Now, you know, like I mentioned before, we've known each other for quite some time. You know, um, we worked in television together. I knew you were into horror films. I knew you were into sci-fi. Um, you know, and you've made some really cool short films yourself, you know. Uh, why the shift back into fantasy or why is that coming out now? You know, was there some sort of catalyst that has brought you back around to that or has it always been there kind of bubbling up and waiting
0: or uh, it, it really has been kind of waiting there. The world of fear floats in my mind. Uh, I can see it when I close my eyes spinning in space and, and I can hear all the voices of the people and they've, they've been there since uh, boy since, since high school. I mean, I, oh, wow. I used to role play when I was uh, young and, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I got into, you know, reading Tolkien uh, when I was young as well. And then as I got older, I started playing uh, Japanese role-playing games, video games. Okay. Uh, and some of that's reflected in there, too. But like I said before, Stephen King is uh, one of my favorites. And, and he actually does write fantasy at times. It's just mm-hmm. very different. Um, and, and I got into all of that. Uh, the first book I wrote was uh, a horror. And uh, it just, at the time, I had a story that linked all my nightmares together, and I had to write it down because oh, wow. uh, I was, I've been plagued my entire life by nightmares. And uh, it was a good cathartic uh, exercise to get get um, all of those things jotted down. I just, one night, had a through line that connected them all, and that was The Darkwood at the forest. And I put them put them all together into one package and then after having gone through that process and not you know being completely exhausted from writing I went on to uh, a because a was still spinning there even when I was writing uh, the Darkwood but it is so big I didn't want to start there It's kind of like I didn't want to mess it up, you know, so I started somewhere else that was a little easier for me because they were, you know, my nightmares, easy to write down Mm -hmm. for myself. They were easy to write down. And then I I dove into, if you're having gone through the process of uh, building an entire novel chapter by chapter, I knew how to do that. And then getting it published taught me how to go through and then actually write the story. So I'm glad that I waited uh, with the fantasy because I think I got the fantasy right. Not to mm-hmm. say that The Darkwood is bad. You can just, if you were to read both, you can see a dramatic shift in the way I tell the story. Okay. Because uh, there's a lot of exposition where I just explain things to the reader in my first stuff. And and in this one, you experience it. I, once again, I go to the readers. I think uh, a lot of people who read both um, I've, the, the most frequent comment I heard about the Dartwood was, it was a great story. I like your story. Neat story. Oh, you know, okay. scary story, creepy story, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I hear stuff about this one, they're like, oh, I love this character. They're my friend. I can't wait to hear from them again. The, right. the, the world is so vivid. I, I can see it in my head. I love the pictures. I love this place. I love that place. And they're mm-hmm. using, you know, it's like they lived in my world for a time and they miss it. And and I didn't get that from the first book, so I, I know that, that I've evolved as a writer.
1: Yeah, it's it draws you in, you know. It really does, and the characters are really cool. It's like I, I thought it was interesting when you said that, you know, some people find, you know, the main character be, to be someone that maybe you didn't think of before, you know, uh, like Nightshade or something, and, yeah, it does. They're, they're all, they all have their own cool little unique traits and behavior. And then... Uh, I also wanted to mention, you know, you sent me this book and you and you wrote in it that uh, within these pages are the dreams I have whilst walking in the woods. And I really yeah. like that, you know, because I love the outdoors and nature and stuff like that. Is that where you get your ideas? Do you actually go out and walk around and just kind of dream things up or, you know, how, what uh, inspires you to write like that?
0: Yes, uh, some of the time... Uh, Especially when I used to be able to get out more, uh, you know, before responsibilities mm-hmm. take your life away, right. um, I would walk through the woods and I would imagine. And when I would walk through the woods, I would be in a shear, and I could hear those mm-hmm. voices whispering to me. I could hear uh, dangers that that weren't actually there, but I could imagine them being mm-hmm. there, and how I would be equipped. To walk through the woods of a fantasy world, and I would think, you know, how long has this river been here, and what has it seen? You know, has it seen the magic of old? Uh, has it seen wizards? You know, trod nice. uh, the path that lies next to it at one point that it'll never tell us. But I could think of these things, and mm-hmm. I could write them down, and and I and I just see those things. So those are the things that I dream of when I'm in the woods of the magic of nature. And there's a lot of, I I think there's a lot of nature uh, in the book itself because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's where it starts for me, but also uh, story-wise. You know, there's not much civilization left after a thousand years of ravaging. So <laughs> um, <right. laughs> that's all they've got left.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And you create a really cool world with it. It's it's neat. Um, And then, you know, you did, and you also mentioned, you know, before life takes over, you know, and, and responsibilities come in. You know, since I've last uh, seen you, you've become a father of two boys. And yep. uh, has that, does that affect your creativity at all? Like, does that, does being a dad kind of inform your writing at all or? Um, well, and congratulations, by the way, a little late, but, you know,
0: (laughs) it, uh, being a dad teaches me to look from different perspectives, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. that I didn't think of before. So I have these stories in my head and then you uh, learn or earn, if you will, this ability to, uh, see through other people's eyes and understand that there are different ways to look at every problem, uh, and every life. So you you gain a deeper insight into yourself, which you can then transfer into your stories and into those characters, which I think helps make characters uh, less one-dimensional. Because that's that seems to be like the go-to with a lot of characters in, in media, especially on television. Now I think, like, well, let's throw this character in there, and they're about this, and it's, and it's a one-dimensional. A character, mm-hmm. which is you know a caricature and not an actual character anymore, right. but you want to breathe life into these people, you have to breathe that life into yourself and transfer it into them.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, so when you're coming up with these characters and kind of, you know, uh, creating their traits and their behaviors, things like that, uh, do you pull from like people you know, or you know, things that happen to you during the day and interactions with other people, or?
0: Oh, definitely. Um. Some of, most of these characters, like I said, this is the golden age, uh, which would harken back to uh, when I was young, mm-hmm. and some of them are uh, ideas based on uh, some of the role-playing that I did, um, because I would I would have an idea in mind. I always have a story in mind for role-playing, and then players would change that completely, uh, so, so I'd never get to tell my story. But some of the ideas of the characters were based on the people that I used to uh, play with and they know it. Cool. I mean, you know, I've sent them the the books and I say, you know, well, what do you think? What do you think of, uh, what I've done? You know, sort of a thing. Nice. And, and, and they've, they've all, they've all loved it because, you know, it's not, it's completely different from, from what actually played out back in the day, but my influences have changed since then. And, uh, I've added
1: those things to the story. And you even have like maps and stuff of the world of Vashir in the back. Uh, and I always love that kind of stuff. You know, it kind of, it's like an added bonus. You know, it helps you visualize the world. It's just kind of fun to look at, you know, stuff like that. It helps you get even more lost in the world, I guess. Um, is that how you, do you see that stuff right away when you're coming up with it? Like when you're, you know, thinking about the world and you get in, in, enveloped in it, do you? Do you see the typography and the geography and all of, all of that as well?
0: Yes, actually, I, I in a sense, I start there. Um, oh, cool! That I've always started with the idea of the land, because um, that will shape, you know, you know where you're going in an adventure. Is, you know, based on where you are. at. And yeah, I drew all those maps in the book. Uh, I actually found that harder than writing. <laughs> i good at drawing, and uh, I did that uh, on my pad with a digital pencil. And uh, oh, wow. I had to learn how to draw certain things, like you know, mountains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did it in a, a fantasy style. So it, you know, that's that's one of the things that you see a lot in fantasy books. Is because when people are experiencing this world for the first time you know there you know I can describe it in the text uh, as much as possible but you know it helps to have something where you say okay now I can look back at this map and say they're standing here on this road mm-hmm. so that's why they're looking at the city of Olan and this is where this battle going to take place because they you know I can give direction but if you don't have the full picture it, it's not it's not as uh as good. I don't think I the uh for me, I always looked to the maps mm-hmm. back in the day when I would read things for the first time, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I don't know where that is, you know, so I'd look for the maps and books, uh, some of the books I read now, the fantasy books, they don't include maps and I end up looking them up online just so that I can look at the map while I'm reading the book because I'm like, I'm a little lost here. Where are we? (laughs) (laughs) I got to see this in order to be able to visualize it better. (laughs) Right,
1: right. Well, like I said, it's like an added bonus. You know, it helps you, like, get even more lost in the world, you know, get more more connected to it, I think, you know, really. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Well, when I was at one of the book festivals, I was uh, signing books, and between selling them, I, I could stand up and, and uh, shout about my book, which, I don't know, authors don't usually do, but I like to do that. Oh, yeah nice. I stood there, and uh, that was one of my things I would say is, uh, you know, dragons, dragons, free maps.
1: <laughs> oh, Wow.
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. And speaking of which, you have a uh, reading and book signing this Thursday, August 1st, at the Lanesboro Public Library, and that happens at 7 p.m., right?
0: Yep, at 7 p.m. I'll be there. I'll be all dressed up again in my uh, my medieval garb because oh, nice. you know, I like to. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll be doing reading. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the beginning of the book because it, it's difficult to pick a section, uh, right. you know, later in the book because, you know, people don't know what you're talking about. We're talking about world building and then you can't really drop something in the middle of nowhere on people. But I'll start, I'll do a reading from the beginning, uh, answer some questions if anyone has any and uh, do signings.
1: Awesome. Um, And speaking of which, I was wondering if you might want to read a passage for us now today?
0: Sure, I can. Um, it'll be from the beginning, so it's a little easier to, uh, jump in on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want me to go forward, I can. I'll give you a little introduction just so that people know. Uh, we're dealing with three characters at this point. There's just, uh, Frost. He's a prince. Uh, Ty, his best friend, he's like a thief. And a wizard named Cirrus. And the, the two younger boys, Frost and Ty, are in the forest and they are in a training session, at least they think they're in a training session, but they've been besieged by goblins, and uh, they're trying to deal with a life-and-death situation now where they thought they were just training. So here we go. The wizard descended in an electromagnetic sphere. Frost yelled, Summoning goblins is a pretty dirty trick, Cyrus. I suppose you had your eye on us the whole time, Ty said, just waiting for the last moment to intervene. I would never summon such vile filth, the wizard boomed from above them. His voice re- resumed, but only as a whisper in his students' ears. This horde is not part of your exercise. Things are afoot that are well beyond my control. Frost felt momentary vindication for his initial gut instinct about Sirius's innocence had been right. But this was quickly quashed by the sinking feeling and an alarming thought. We're surrounded by goblins. In a situation that is beyond the wizard's control? What do we do, Cirrus? Frost muttered under his breath, knowing the wizard would hear him. Cirrus's answer was not terribly reassuring. The goblins are held at bay by fear at the moment, but their hunger will soon prod them to desperate, bestial bravery. I cannot kill them all. If I strike, the survivors will likely rip you to pieces. We know all that. Ty whispered impatiently. But do you have a plan? Of course I do, the wizard's reply was tinged with mild annoyance. One of you told me not to have a plan. When I strike them, Ty, you throw your vial of fire potion straight up. Aim it at me. Put a good spin on it. Then, just before it hits me, frost. Fire an arrow directly into the center of its base. You must both be precise. Ty shook his head and produced the vial. Sounds like a dicey plan. I didn't say it would work. Cirrus said. Only that it is a plan. Frost nodded and knocked an arrow. The goblins, seeing this action on the part of their prey, rallied. Breaking the stalemate, they rushed in. No! Sirius's voice boomed. Lightning crackled out from the wizard's sphere and roasted half the goblins. At the same moment, Ty toss- tossed the potion up, putting a fast spin on it. Frost, honed by hours of practice shooting down targets, took split-second aim and let loose the arrows. The bottle exploded. Due to its spin, its contents flew outward, raining down in a fiery ring around them. The grass, all about the remaining goblins, was set ablaze, their ragged clothes and greasy hair catching fire. Most of the inhuman creatures scattered and fled into the forest. We provided them with the fire and denied them their supper to cook over it, Ty laughed. His nonchalant sense of humor never seemed to ebb, even in the midst of a life-or-death situation. The sphere encasing the wizard settled to the ground, and it flickered like a candle flame and vanished. Cirrus stepped over a smoldering body and raised his staff. Don't underestimate the tenacity of a hungry goblin. They have not all fled. That would be, uh, like, the climax of the battle at the very beginning Mm -hmm. of the book. I chose start with a battle, uh, just to introduce what's at stake, oh, uh,
1: and the characters themselves. Right, right. No, it's a great way to start. I love it. I love it. Um, and if I remember correctly, do you have you have a little bit of theater background as well, right?
0: I was yeah. I was in professional theater for four years, and I uh, did children's theater for four years as a teacher and uh, technical director.
1: Nice. So, uh, might we see like an audiobook or something coming out soon, or...?
0: Well, I'm contemplating doing that uh, for the first year. Uh, it's just going to be in print, but uh, I would like to try my hand at doing that and uh, having a uh, background uh, recording things, uh, mm-hmm. learning how to do that with you, actually. Uh, yeah. We uh, might just uh, tackle that.
1: Oh, that! I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> be I fun. do like doing the voices and the uh, sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you sound great at it. I love it. it. It, And, you know, and it's it's cool when you read, you know, yourself. You know, you have these voices in your head and stuff, but it's it's always fun to hear uh, the author's perspective on the character, like how they sound, you know, and how they would enunciate things and stuff like that. I think right. that's really neat. So, like we said, you have a signing this Thursday, August 1st at 7 p.m. at the Lanesboro Public Library. Will we be seeing more signings in the future?
0: Uh, we have, yeah, we have... For, and uh, we're setting them up as they uh, become available. Uh, okay. Sometimes it's, it's just a place that uh, says, you know, we're looking for authors and they come to the publisher and then the publisher offers it to people and if I'm free, I go. Okay. Um, but the James Patrillo author Facebook page, I always uh, publicize whenever I'm having signings okay. uh, and we intend to continue that uh, as time allows.
1: Nice. So the best way to find out about signings and events and things would be to go to your Facebook page? Yep, or okay. dot press, and that's shipwrecked with a T With a T. of an E-D. Right, okay. <laughs> cool. So check out James Patrillo, author, right, on Facebook, yeah. or Shipwreck Books. Great. Um, and then I did want to mention, too, there's a trailer for the book on YouTube. Uh, that's really cool. I think people should check that out. Uh, maybe that'll get them in and direct them to your website and stuff like that. Um, oh yes yeah we put that uh, or I put that
0: together because I couldn't help myself you know got to make a video out of everything yeah (laughs) I was going to ask you
1: about that if you would produce that yourself so cool
0: yep just kind of threw that one together with all of my uh, marketing materials, and then uh, Brent Meyer a friend of mine made Mm -hmm. the music because he read the book and he was like I can't not make music and He uh, does a lot of music for a lot of different things, but he's been actually writing music for each chapter, because uh, it takes him on a journey, he says, down a rabbit hole each time, and he has to go write something that he hears, because when he reads the book, he hears the
1: music that goes on. Right. So, with that in mind, maybe would there be music on an audiobook that's included? You know, a little mood in the background, or...?
0: Well, I would definitely talk to Brent about that if I were awesome. to tackle this as a full audio book, mm-hmm. uh, and he's he's completed his project because he's doing it just because he can't not. That's so, cool. uh <laughs> you know. And and I'm sure that he would want uh, he would want his music out there as well because he's he, he does the very cinematic type stuff. Well, you hear it on the uh, YouTube video uh, mm-hmm. when when you watch it. You just do that together because it was, it's like I love this and I've got to I've got to I can't not can you put this on there (laughs) nice (laughs)
1: awesome oh I love it I love it more collaboration in different styles and different types of media I love it Um, and you know speaking of which you know like your background in film and television and stuff uh, are there any thoughts of like making a film out of it
0: well uh, if somebody wanted to make a film out of it you know we could go down that route at that point but Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I've given up personally making films just okay. because, you know, it's, you know, just making short films was almost like a lifestyle change. I mean, you, you know, once you're into that, into that, it's an, an entire world and this world of writing, I can pick up and put down when it calls to me. So okay. you can't really do that with, you know, film, as you know, when you're, when Boy. you're on a project, you've got deadlines and, and people and, mm-hmm. Yeah, when 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 I'm writing it's it's me and and the keyboard or the or the pad of paper if I have nothing else. I've got an idea, I've got to get it out. Right, right. So,
1: and focus on Yeah, if somebody else you make it
0: into something I might. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> uh, i let them, but uh, as long as they had some sort of say in it, but that's that's not the intention behind it. I,
1: okay. I, okay. I was just, just curious, to, you know. I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. I just want to share my stories uh, and hopefully give people some uh, fun adventure to go on, you know, right. escape, escape for a while into, uh, into another world.
1: Mm-hmm. So are, uh, you mentioned uh, that there's more to this world than just this first novel. Uh, are you working on a sequel right now or the second book or can we expect one soon or how, where are we at with that?
0: Timing, uh, I'm not sure about. Um, okay. The beginnings of it are in draft right now. Um, all the pieces are in my head, of course, but um, how to get them out is, is difficult because I lean in the next one, if I follow the path that I'm on, I lean much more into the the realm of science fiction, the the science fiction realm that deals with theoretical principles. Uh, because there was an idea stuck in my head. One of the characters in the first book experiences something and it doesn't go away by the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And I like to call it a slice of infinity or a sliver of infinity. If you were to get a sliver of infinity under your fingernail, that would still be infinity, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I get into uh, some really weird, science fiction principles with with, uh, the ongoing stories but it all depends on which character speaks to me at the
1: time okay Uh, so we're going to see some more and we're going to get deeper into this world I'm suspecting aren't we much deeper Uh,
0: and if people continue to like it uh, I'll keep going uh, because like I said there's several generations of characters nice Uh, some characters live longer than others and uh, you know just naturally but that continues through the line all the way.
1: Nice. So uh, I'm talking to James Petrillo. He's the author of A Shear. Uh, he's a Minnesota author, and uh, he's got a book signing this Thursday, August 1st, at 7 p.m. at the Lanesboro Public Library, and hopefully many more to come that we can check out. So check out his Facebook page. Obtain the book somehow. you know, Get it in your hands and read it. It's Like, like he said, it's really fun. Just look for it out there, Ashir, that's A-S-H-Y-E-R. And I'm talking to James Petrillo. And thanks so much for being on the show with us today, James. It was great.
0: Thanks for having me on the show. A great opportunity.
1: Thanks again to James Petrillo for joining us today on Artbeat. More information on James and his latest novel, Ashir, can be found on his Facebook page at James Petrillo Author. Or you can visit ShipwreckedBooks.com. That's wrecked. Spelled W-R-E-C-K-T. For more conversations on art, tune into Artbeat, Tuesdays at 1230, right here on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've just heard from Minnesota author James Petrillo on Artbeat.
0: Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.
1: Is art an important part of your life? Find podcasts of Artbeat and all your favorite KQAL shows by going to kqal.org and looking for program archives under the Media tab. Artbeat is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.